I was really lucky that the consultant came in on her day off to sort of diagnose me because to begin with they weren't sure whether it was a stroke or not and because of my age. I wasn't in great shape, they called an ambulance and I was then rushed to hospital and I was operated on straight away, well say within two or three hours. My family were in Lincolnshire and I was in Brighton when I had my stroke. That's where I went to university. So they were told something had happened to my head and they didn't know what, but they needed to come to Brighton immediately. My friends and family were very good after I had my stroke. I think the thing with me is, is I'm fiercely independent. So having had something happen to me that I wasn't expecting, I brought it upon myself to get through it. I kind of realised how important and how short life is and that you just have to enjoy everything and everyone that you have in your life, particularly when you connect in the way that we have and did back then. I suppose one piece of advice that I would give is whatever position that you are in, I wouldn't say it's useful to look back. You can only look forward. This is Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. It's about one every five minutes. But the picture is getting brighter. Two-thirds of stroke victims are able to live the rest of their lives at home, and there are currently 1.2 million stroke survivors living in the UK. A stroke is often sudden, it can be devastating, and while health services are really good with diagnosis and treatment these days, after a stroke... Patients often say there aren't enough resources to help them with their recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from a couple, Becky Cobb and Simon Commons, who both suffered serious strokes at an early age. Before my stroke, I was at university. I was in my final semester, expecting to graduate in the June or July. It was at the end of February that I had my stroke. So I was quite an active person. I went out a lot. I was working hard at university and I had a part-time job as well. I considered myself to be a fairly healthy 21-year-old, as I was at the time. And I suppose what happened on the day was I was walking to work and I started to feel quite lightheaded. I remember thinking I'd skipped my breakfast and thought that might be why, but then the next thing I knew I had collapsed on the floor and I was very lucky that I got found very quickly and taken to hospital within an hour or two and I was really lucky that the consultant came in on her day off to sort of diagnose me because to begin with they weren't sure whether it was a stroke or not and because of my age in hospital I was on the acute stroke ward for a week and then I was in a rehabilitation unit for I can't remember now if it was three or four weeks but I was having really intensive physiotherapy and occupational therapy because what happened to me was I was paralyzed down my left hand side so I couldn't sit up in bed I couldn't walk I couldn't smile I couldn't do a lot of things that you know involve both sides of your body and um, so I really needed a lot of heavy physiotherapy to sort of get back on my feet and I think I took my first steps four weeks after my stroke so 
And then when I saved my first steps, they were very wobbly. So it wasn't like I was at walking again. I was sort of being held up by, I don't even know how many physiotherapists, but um, yeah, it was very, very slow recovery. And I still have physiotherapy now, eight years later. Becky's partner, Simon, suffered a stroke seven years earlier at the age of 17. I was at college at the time. And at that point, I was a lifeguard. I was working at the weekend in a shop and I was quite healthy physically and I suppose mentally. I was looking forward to finishing doing my A-levels and then going to university. But unfortunately, in the November time, on the day that I had my stroke, I was at college and everything was just as normal. And then in the afternoon, I decided to leave college and go home a bit earlier because I was working that evening and I didn't have anything on in the afternoon. So I I just left, I suppose, and then got the bus home, had my lunch. And then when I got off the bus, didn't feel great. I was was lightheaded again, you know, similar to Becky. Walked through the bus station and then through an alleyway and got to the behind one of the buildings in the town. And I sort of sat there and contemplated what was what was happening and things were running through my mind and I was actually starting to lose control of reality and the space that I was in and I was beginning to breathe quite heavily my vision wasn't great and like I said I had to sit down because my legs were heavy well they felt heavy anyway I tried to make a call to my father but I couldn't dial the right number because my vision was blurry and I couldn't remember the number. So that didn't work. The next alternative was to put my bag down and to lie down on the floor and try to go to sleep. Luckily, what saved me was there were two men at the back of a careers office that were watching me on CCTV. So they were able to see that I was struggling. They must have been looking at me to see what I was doing because I was at the back of the shop by their car park. And they actually came out. And these are the guys that saved me, really. They came out and asked me questions to find out whether I was okay or anything and because I wasn't responding. And I think I'd been sick as well and, and things, so I wasn't in great shape. They called an ambulance and I was then rushed to hospital and I was operated on straight away, well, say within two or three hours. And I stayed in hospital for a month. And what I needed was uh, rehabilitation for speech and language and I'd lost about 25% of my eyesight in both eyes. So mine was more cognitive in comparison to Becky's that was more physical. So we were sort of quite opposite in the effects of our strokes. When leaving hospital and going home, I was at home for, it must have been about nine or 10 months in rehabilitation for speech and language. And after a couple of months, I I went back to work and did a couple of hours here and there. I went back to college just to try to get back myself in in the atmosphere of learning again and I progressively began to try to push myself up until the September of the next year and I enrolled back into college and that's when things started to look up a bit and I was back into the routine of education and then I was able to do two years there and get my A-levels and subsequently a year or so after that I ended up going to university so As two young people going through a period of serious illness, Becky and Simon found they were well supported by family and friends. 
My family were in Lincolnshire and I was in Brighton when I had my stroke. That's where I went to university. So they were told something had happened to my head and they didn't know what, but they needed to come to Brighton immediately. And my mum rang her best friend, who is um, quite high up in the NHS, and she said, you want it to be a blood clot if it's a stroke. And my mum obviously didn't know what that meant. She was told that there was a higher recovery chance. I think that's probably the best way to say it. So there was a higher chance of recovery if it was a blood clot rather than a brain hemorrhage. And I think what me and Simon haven't said so far is that Simon's stroke was a brain hemorrhage, whereas mine was caused by a blood clot. And they were both on the opposite sides of the brains as well. So mine was on my right side of my brain, affecting my left-hand side of my body. And Simon's was on the left-hand side of his brain, which I believe is more commonly affects speech and language, which is possibly why we have the differences in terms of our abilities as well. In terms of family, how they reacted, I think everybody was just really shocked. I think nobody expects it to happen to somebody at that age, at the age of 21, I had no warning signs. It was really, really out of the blue. I had nothing to suspect that anything was going to happen to me. So they took it hard, but they were so supportive. And I know that I couldn't have got through it without them. And by the time that I was fully conscious again at hospital, my whole family were around my bedside, as well as loads of my friends. So I was very fortunate that there's so many people rallied around me to sort of support me as I got better as well. My friends and and family were very good after I had my stroke. I think the thing with me is, is I'm fiercely independent. So having had something happen to me that I wasn't expecting, I brought it upon myself to get through it mainly. And what I didn't do, which I should have done, is realise the effects that it can have on your family in terms of their recovering as well. So they have had something happen to them that is unexpected as much as me. And they're getting through it with me, but separately as well, because they are trying to come to terms with it and realise what's happened. So it's a journey for everybody closely connected and it impacts everybody quite differently. I needed to get through it independently to make up in my own mind what had happened, what was happening and how I was going to get through it. They also had to navigate their way through their education while dealing with the after-effects of their strokes. It was difficult going back to university. So I was told when I was in hospital that I would have to move home to live with my mum. And we actually had to fight for me to be able to stay in my student accommodation because the doctors wanted to discharge me as soon as possible, but I couldn't take the stairs. And so they wanted me to go and live with my mum. And I knew that wasn't an option for me. And my mum, bless her heart, as hard as it was, agreed that it wasn't an option for me, even though she would have loved to have had me at home. But I did end up staying in my university accommodation with my friends and going back for my final year, my final semester. But what I was really lucky to be able to do was... I spread my final semester over a full year. So I went back the following academic year, so in the September. So I was essentially a part-time student doing one semester over a full year. I had great support from the University Disability Services. I can't remember what they're called now, but they were really great and making sure I had all the equipment I needed so that I could do my work from home and didn't have to go to the library and things like that. My lecturers were really, really supportive as well. And in the end, going back to university was a great experience even though it was so challenging. 
because I had to drop back a year, had to make new friends and because all my other friends had graduated and they were so supportive as well. And they really welcomed me into their sort of friendship groups, which was really important for me at a time when I didn't really know anybody. I feel really privileged to have been able to go back, really. The journey getting back into, I suppose, what you'd call normal, typical life for a teenager is going to college. But when you're going back at the age of 18 or 19, you're starting back three years behind where you should have been, essentially. And because of that, it just meant that I had the social aspect to try to deal with as much as the academic expectations that I put on myself. And also because, you know, before actually having a stroke, I was doing different subjects at college in comparison to what I ended up going back because obviously my planning cognitive ability had diminished somewhat and now I was only able to deal with subjects which weren't as say challenging or were more supportive of the way that my brain worked now in comparison to before. Picking up those subjects and actually being able to go through the two years of college and then come out with anything was you know a success for me. I didn't even have university in my mind at that point but when I then moved forward after getting my two and a half A levels I decided to do a BTEC course in construction and then that year was a success and I did really well and you know I was able to get student of the year which was amazing after I, after I did that I was then had enough points to be able to go to university so I thought okay this is the next step let's just give that a go and see how well I do there and then I pushed myself and got to university and finished after four years. And that was a success when I left with a 2-1. So it's a journey, but you can't see too far ahead. But you need to see far ahead enough so that there's something that can move you forward cognitively, psychologically and physically. As a different person, I suppose I looked at things in a slightly different way. Most of my friends had already left or were leaving that year. So I was put back. So it was a bit annoying for me. And it was something that I had to deal with. I came back and I suppose I just had different expectations, probably fewer expectations than before. And people didn't treat me that differently. I mean, if at all, to be honest, I was in a different time frame to them now. And they realised and knew how much of a big deal had happened to me and, and how much it had affected me. You know, they were kind and compassionate about the fact that I'd been through such a traumatic time. Although they both suffered strokes at a similar point in their lives, they both had very different emotional experiences during their recovery. It was a very, very hard time in my life, but I think that I felt like I had to be okay for everybody around me. I found things quite tough, actually, especially in the first instance after I had my stroke, because... I was trying to deal with something that had happened to me that was completely out of the blue, totally out of my control, to try to deal with that changed person that you were and to realise you won't be the same person again. I found that hard, especially because it affected my eyesight and I was in the middle of taking lessons to ultimately pass my driving test. Driving a car for me was something that I'd looked up to for quite a few years before having my stroke and I wanted to, before moving into construction, it was something, automotive engineering was something that I always wanted to do, but because there was a possibility that I might not be able to drive, that really affected me because 
it was one of the only things I've really had my heart set on. So trying to deal with that was, was quite a big thing. Although Becky and Simon's strokes affected them in different ways, they both approached their recovery with similar willpower and were able to finish their studies and embark on successful careers. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Becky explains how she now feels about her stroke. I um, wouldn't change it personally because I think I've just achieved so much since then and I've learned so much from it. And Simon talks about the lack of support he had when he was recovering at home. In terms of meeting someone or meeting a group of people in a similar circumstance, which was quite paramount to me at the time, that wasn't really there. There weren't any groups. I wasn't aware of any groups that I could go to to meet up with people and talk and discuss. Let's hear how Simon and Becky's strokes first brought them together. We met really coincidentally. It wasn't planned or anything. One of my best friends, her dad, had held a charity raffle at his workplace. And I was invited to go and collect the cheque because it was for a charity who help young people with strokes. On the day that I went to collect the cheque, I met Simon because it was also his workplace. He worked on a construction site and I was shown around the site with like high vis jackets on with a hard hat with these big boots that had to go over my ankle support and all things like that. I felt like I looked a bit silly. I was very tired at the end of the tour um, and I asked to sit down somewhere so I could take all this gear off and when they took me into this room to take my hat off and my high vis and all things like that and have a little bit of a sit down and Simon was sat in there doing some work and what did you say to me? I can't remember. I think he said, hi, what are you doing in here? Yeah, he said, what are you doing in here? <laughs> and then my friend's dad came in and said, oh, Becky's here to collect this cheque because she's had a stroke. And Simon said, he looked at me for a second and then he said, I've had one of those. And that's kind of how we met. <laughs> so it feels very special and it kind of just flew from there really, didn't it? Becky was one of the first people I, I met who was actually a similar age to me when I had my stroke when Becky had her stroke. So it was it was good when we first started meeting up to talk about how things were and how we were progressing with our recovery after we had our stroke and how we had it and everything. The thing that having a stroke made me realise was just to cherish everything that little bit more, I think. And so when I met Simon and we got on so well and we had this massive connection, it was just really easy to connect with him because... I kind of realised how important and how short life is and that you just have to enjoy everything and everyone that you have in your life, particularly when you connect in the way that we have and did back then. Now living together, Becky and Simon have learned how to accommodate each other's strokes. I'm more of the organisational one. I kind of keep things on track and read all of the paperwork and things like that. I Although that Simon well, is very good at any contracts and like terms and conditions and things. He's much more into the nitty gritty of it. But definitely in terms of arranging to see people, um, Simon takes on more of a, what would you say, like you take the bins out and do all the things like that for I me that I, I can't I do. do and yeah. um, Because I can't <laughs> lift anything heavy or big or anything like that. Planning was one of the things that cognitively I struggled with after 
having my stroke. I mean, I've got much better now because obviously planning to go to work, planning work at work and things like that, I've obviously got much better. But it wouldn't necessarily be one of my strongest assets. So with having Becky, and she, she loves planning and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, then that, that's quite good for you to take over mm-hmm. when we ever need to do anything like that. And then yeah. DIY and, and such like, or carrying bags home from shopping or anything like that, then I take on that role. So physically I do more of that yeah I suppose the simplest and most common example is that I plan the weekly food what we're going to have for dinner and what we're going to get on the shopping and things like that and then Simon yeah he carries the shopping home so it works quite well (laughs) I just decide what we're going to (laughs) have and despite strokes happening so early in their lives both Becky and Simon take positives from the experience I um, wouldn't change it personally because I think I've just achieved so much since then and I've learned so much from it. So me and Simon have written our book, Hidden in Me, which took us three years and I never ever thought we would ever, well, I never thought I would write a book ever. I think that's just one example of a lot of things that had the stroke never happened, I would never have done. We may never have met. So for me, like, I kind of have learned to love what happened to me, even though it was very difficult at the time and that will never change. But it's easier to deal with knowing that knowing that so many positive things have come from it. I suppose when, when things like this happens, well, from when I had my stroke, would have definitely gone in a different direction had I not had the stroke. Since the stroke, going down this way and down this route, I've met some amazing people including Becky, obviously. <laughs> but but I've, I've, met, I've met different people that I wouldn't have done had I not had it. And I suppose it's a journey and you can always look back and say, oh, maybe I should have done this, I should have done that, I could have done this, I could have done that. But, you know, there's no point in looking at the past. You've just got to look forward. Simon had his stroke in 2004 and at first found there was very little in the way of after-stroke support. I was in contact with a a brain injury service in North Wales, and they were very supportive. I did actually meet someone who had had an accident, but I didn't really get to know them that well. They did support me through my education as well, through coming to see me every couple of months, and also the school was able to provide me with a mentor. So I I did have a few things that were supportive however in terms of meeting someone or meeting a group of people in a similar circumstance which was quite paramount to me at the time that wasn't really there there weren't any groups I wasn't aware of any groups that I could go to to meet up with people and talk and discuss and share stories or anything like that that just wasn't there and I can't even remember at the time whether we had the internet or not and if we did then I definitely didn't find anything on the internet relating to stroke groups or charities or anything. So I did feel like that's one of the reasons, like I said previously, that I did feel like it was about me getting through it and I needed to get through it independently just for my own sake as much as as anything else. My experience was 
quite different. So I was approached very quickly by the Stroke Association. We had a coordinator at the hospital that I was in who got to know me and my family and to sort of support us through those initial stages. And then I reached out and my friends reached out to a charity called Different Strokes who support young people or or should I say people of working age who have had strokes. And they were fantastic. They have a really big online community who are really supportive and have loads of resources. They were the main two early on in my recovery. And then as we've kind of carried on, there's things like the Brain and Spine Injury Foundation and Headway, who have some amazing resources and have been really supportive of our story since we've released our book. For me, I was always really involved. I did a lot of guest speaking at events for different charities about my experience. And it really helped me to just see the positives of what was happening and also to meet those people that Simon wasn't able to meet who had been through something similar to me. And it just made me feel a bit less different, I think, and a bit more like I could get through it. We're starting to work with people like us who have acquired disabilities, acquired brain injuries, if they're feeling a bit like how we felt like our lives were turned upside down, to support them in rebuilding a life that they love. And we're trying to work with people to just support them through what we went through, really, and help them see the positives if they need to. Some people don't need to, they already have a positive outlook but just being there for people who might be looking for some support so we're doing that through coaching yeah um life coaching it's called and we've been training recently haven't we and we're really just excited about starting to work with people and see what we can give back if i were to look back now at the time in which it happened and then if i were to do a map or a timeline of things that have happened since then going from then to now just, I suppose, sometimes I think about it and sometimes I think I definitely don't think I could do that again. <laughs> so looking back and thinking about all the things that I did, I definitely wouldn't be able to do that now if I were to do it again or if, or if anything like that was to happen again, you know, such a, an upward journey. And getting to this point now, being able to self-publish our book, the next step was to then see if there was anything more that we could do. So actual coaching and working with people with disability or long-term disability or uh, ill health to help them through a situation that they may not be able to see light at the end of the tunnel or know how to see light at the end of the tunnel. That's just something that we can offer now. And to be able to do full circle in a sense and to, to experience it, get through it, and then rebuild yourself to a point in which you're able to then offer something back here, I think is is, a, is an amazing turnaround. I think it's especially important because there was a time when we couldn't see our way through it. You know, there was a time at the beginning when we would both have thought, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to survive this? How are we going to live a full and happy life with what's happened to us? And so it kind of all comes from that feeling that we once had, I suppose. Finally, Becky and Simon have advice for you if you're currently recovering from a stroke. I'll share a piece of advice that I was given not long after my stroke by somebody else who had had a stroke. And it was when I was looking into different equipments and things like that that can be used to aid your recovery. And the piece of advice I was given was that if something can help you even 1%, then it's worth giving it a go. And since then, I've always tried to 
try anything that's out there that might have a very even if it's a very small chance of helping me recover and I think because of that I've met a lot of new people through things that I've been willing to try but also I think that has ultimately aided my recovery as well because I've been trying different devices different techniques and things like that that have really helped me so I like to share that piece of advice although it's not mine it was given to me and I think for me it was really powerful at an early stage of my recovery. I suppose one piece of advice that I would give is whatever position that you are in I wouldn't say it's useful to look back you can only look forward you can only ever look forward now based on what has happened. So for me, that's what I did. I just always look forward and try not to think of the past and what had happened. That's the only way that I was able to gradually rebuild. Becky and Simon both made a conscious decision to find the positive experience from their illness and are beginning to help others navigate life after suffering a stroke. They're incredibly positive and determined people and want to continue spreading the word about strokes in young people. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke, or somebody close to you has, and you'd like to learn more, search for The Stroke Association online and for a dedicated webpage, just Google NHS Strokes. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes, please subscribe and rate and comment because that helps us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you.